It's the Life After High School Podcast. Right on. Andre, brother, I appreciate you coming to the show. Welcome to my uh, nice little fun garage uh, studio. And um, yeah, I'm super stoked about this. I've had uh, a lot of people tell me only good things, whether it be about your practice, about who you are as a person, and just the few conversations we've had in the past, sometimes we've hung out, I really, I have only good things, so I'm super stoked. I really okay. appreciate you coming on, okay. brother. Hope I can live up to the hype then. <laughs> yeah, right on. Oh, I'm sure you won't disappoint, man. So, with that being said, um, take us through kind of your transition leaving high school, like what that was like in college, and then kind of how that path took you to where you are now, and we can kind of go through it from there. Oh, uh, yeah, no worries. Um, so, after high school, it was... Uh, I I was an athlete in high school, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But I liked the health field. I knew physio was kind of an interest, so I went to uh, like my other buddies went to kinesiology, did the uh, the university route type thing. Uh, and yeah, I was fortunate enough. So when I was in university, I was game. I was going towards uh, becoming a physiotherapist. I did a call placement with uh, a Cairo in Windsor, uh, Dr. Radovich. And um, before then, I thought like chiropractors, all they did was kind of rack them, crack them, and see you later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so I stepped in, uh, in Dr. Radovich's office, Steve's office, and it was awesome. It was different. So he, um, he, to me, he blended um, at the time my understanding of physiotherapy and chiropractic. And I was like, oh man, that's pretty sharp. And at the time, he was doing active release technique, which is this um, a trademark version of myofascial release. So myofascial release, fancy word of saying like muscle release, and yeah, push out muscles, and we make things and we stretch things and nice. move things around. Right so it's, it's it's all that kind of stuff. But he he incorporated both of them together. And that was the first time that I saw that. So every time. When I was in the zoo, every time I did physio, it would be like you have like the IFC, the little stimulator kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that and then with uh, some rehab exercise, but it was finally the, the first time that I actually saw somebody put their hands on a patient or on a person to, to get them better. So at the time, I was just having some issues. I've always had some shoulder issues from, from wrestling and from football. So after like a month and a half of working with them, I finally yeah. rushed up the courage. I'm like, hey, Steve, do you mind treating my shoulder? It's been bummed out. So yeah, he treated my shoulder twice, and then uh, I, I stepped under the bar, did a, a nice bench lift, and then I just had no more shoulder pain, so I was like... Amazing. So since then, I was just sold, so I was like, I don't know what he did, but I just want to <laughs> do what that guy does. So, Amazing. Uh, so yeah, so then I, so that, after that day, I just moved everything over from physiotherapy to Cairo, because that's what Steve was, and I just kind of followed that route, so after that, I, uh, I put all my eggs in one basket, um, applied to Cairo, just applied to one Cairo college in, in, in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I got waitlisted, so then I was shitting bricks, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. what am I going to do with my I life now? <laughs> um, so at the time, I was thinking, my next uh, option would have been like, uh, ergonomics, which I always enjoyed. Nice. Um, yeah, even growing up with my dad at the, in the welding shop, I never knew what we were doing, but it was just ergonomics, because my dad's like, oh, I was like, well, I want the table this high because it's better for working. I want this table high because it's better for like fine working. So we always, uh, he always had different tables. At that. That's so they figured that out on his own. Yeah, just on his own. So I was like, oh, man. So he just did it without even him knowing, and now we have like this fancy word that goes nice. with it. So, so that, was, that was option two. Uh, but then a week later, I got my acceptance letter, and then, yeah, that, right that, just, that just went down the road. So then, yeah, I went to Dakaro for four years. And um, and then yeah, I started my practice after that, so it was, nice. it was life life was great. Um, and then moved here in February 2012. Started with a, a great guy, Dr. Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a little more on the traditional chiropractic side, which was great. Uh, he gave me my start, uh, and then I was able to meet uh, meet up with uh, Eve Charette. He's an osteopath and uh, the team shredder uh, oh, yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, and then he had a different spin on, on, on things when it came to the treatment. So I was just, I never saw some of the stuff that he did and he was explaining some stuff. I'm like, Eve, there's no way that you could palpate that kind of stuff. Like he was talking about the interosseous membrane. So it's like the, a membrane that's between the two shin bones. I was like, how are you going to palpate that? He's like, just watch. So he kind of goes, just mm-hmm. watch, just he watch. says. <laughs> yeah, the confidence. I was like, huh. So ever okay. since then, so I, since then, uh, he was more or less, uh, yeah, I have a lot of respect for him, and he's more or less one of my mentors here in town, and uh, yeah, so I was able to build my practice uh, with him along, and uh, yeah, and then unfortunate events happened, and then we had to move the practices, yeah. uh, and we still maintain friendship, we, yes. we end up where we are above Glorious, mm-hmm. and he's over uh, behind the cooperative in Rome, so his life is great. Nice. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, things happen. Yeah. So... With that, we kind of met um, because uh, one of my good buddies is, you're a mentor of his, so to speak. So your mentor in Windsor, and hearing you talk a bit about that in the research of this, and then um, before and in, pa- in the past, what do you think makes a good mentor? Or better yet, what made him a good mentor for you? What made Steve a good mentor for me? Back in the day, if you can uh, remember. Oh. Um, he just opened my eyes to like a slightly different version of what I was already kind of wanted to do. Like I just never, he put a different spin on rehab. So something that I've never seen before, like this is to me, like, I don't know, like this is going back in 2003. Yeah. 2003. Um, so at the time, like the, at least for me growing up in the zoo, like the, the rehab world was, uh, was a little bit different. The physiotherapy was like. You get hooked up to some ultrasound, some stim, mm-hmm. and then you get some exercises, and that's what I saw. Or you get uh, different versions of like a, a hot, cold kind of stuff, and then exercise. So that's what my thought process was, was for physio. Uh, for him, what kind of not kind of blew my mind, but that was kind of interesting is the fact that he used his hands, like his fingers and his thumbs, mm-hmm. and actually applied to pressure, um, tension, and different things like that to the musculature in order to stretch it um, to do that kind of stuff. So at the time, um, we weren't really sure what we were doing, but we thought we were breaking down scar tissue. Yeah. Uh, and then when I stepped into the the lab in Carroll College, we we get to do like uh, cadavers and stuff like that. So we got we actually get to dissect cadavers. Oh, that's And cool. yeah, yeah, super respectful and all that other stuff. Like the it, it comes with like all its own procedures. But yeah, so we were going there, and I, I was fortunate enough that our cadaver had some scar tissue, like an actual like physical scar, like. And then so Whoa. I'm there with my knife trying to cut through the scar tissue and I'm just like, man, this stuff is like ridiculously tough. And then I was like, okay, well then, of course, then you just, you, you still trying to cool it, eh? When we put our hands on people, we're still breaking down scar tissue. Yeah. But then as I was going through practice and different things, like I listened to different podcasts and I remember that time when I was in the lab, for us to really break down scar tissue between musculature, like, it's a lot of, it's, it's, it's almost impossible. For one, yeah. um, like the... The surface underneath the, the skin is, is pretty much frictionless, so to actually put any pressure through, it's kind of tough. So the new concept right now, what we're, they're, they're, what we're thinking uh, when it comes to manual therapy is that we're just putting an input into the system, into the brain. So we're highlighting something that's, that's stuck here. It's yeah. not moving properly, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to stretch it in a certain way. I want to move it in a certain right. way. And I'm using stretching in a loose term, but I want to I wanna activate it in a certain way, create a tension line through yeah. that way. So the the brain can realize and then rework itself that it should be able to stretch that way. So it's a remolding process. We're not really breaking down scar tissue, we're remolding tissues. 
by right. putting an input, and then the blood system will come in with like the white blood cells, right. kind of take a, take some stuff away, break down some of the scar tissue, yeah. and over time, we'll remodel that so it's a healthier tissue. So is that something what happens when uh, scar tissue needs to be built up? Is that there's a lack of like the brain almost forgets? Is that? I'm curious. I'm trying to understand. Yeah. So the best way analogy I've come up with so far is like if you're like a sculptor. Okay. And you're trying to, to build, and you're trying to, to sculpt something. Yeah. So you just start with a, like a hunk of clay. Yeah. So that's what that's what the scar tissue is. So you, you, you have an injury, and then you have the scar tissue. The, so the body is just laying down mm. clay after clay after clay, and then you have this lump of clay. Yeah. So that's the, uh, that'd be like the, the myoblast and that kind of stuff. So this is the, the, the cells that come in. Now you'll have like a, the, the class system that comes in and kind of remodels it. So that's what's coming coming in and sculpting it, and it'll, it'll, it'll make it like the Statue of David or whatever. Oh. So it, it remodels it back yeah. to it, as best it can to the way it is with the proper inputs. So through through exercise, through soft tissue stuff, mm -hmm. and then yeah. So that's those are our, our two main concerns. So we always want to stress in certain things. So when we give people rehab exercises, it's just that's the purpose for us, so we can continue stressing it in that manner. Yeah. And they're finding out now that if we can continue that tension for about two minutes, like in the treatment, that you could actually change and you could actually communicate things at the like the almost the cellular level, the way mm -hmm. it communicates through the force. So if we overstretch, if not if we overstretch, but if we put the stretch the, the stretch to it or like a force through it for a, a certain amount of time, yeah, the cells will actually start communicating to one another and then forcefully going and moving that that cell one, one by one and one and trying to line it. But it takes about two minutes and then time repeated repeat time after that. Right. So it, uh, it's just different things like that. So when, yeah, like if you're like on past table or on my table and you kind of, people kind of want like, well, why are you doing this? Like we call it something we call trigger point therapy. Mm -hmm. We're just kind of holding something there for X amount of like 30, 30 seconds, yeah. a minute or that's what we're just trying to do. We're just trying to input to that system long enough that we can address the, the cells through the, the communication through tension because they, they communicate through tension. So like a yeah. there's like a mechanical receptor, so it's like if I if I like my T-strand pushing this way, this way, so right, there's that's a push pull, the, the push pull type thing. Like the so balance that, there that needs to happen for the. Yeah. Oh. So that a lot of times they'll talk about like tensegrity and that kind of stuff yeah. and that that model, but really and truly that's what we're just trying to do. We're just trying to add tension and uh, stretch to the system, mm -hmm. so we can communicate and not lengthen, but change 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 the tissue eventually. With the remo with the, the help of the body remodeling itself and then going forward. So you need to cause that, like the cells and everything, to have that push pull reaction or yeah. to get in yeah. or almost through. Yeah. Ah, and that's where the remodeling or rebuilding, in your, with your words, uh, kind of takes place. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Now, do you have like a niche that you focus on? Huh. Or one, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, no. One that you could, one that you prefer to focus on. Like your favorite? My favorite. Um, I like I, I like shoulder injuries. Low back injuries are, are, are lots of fun, and neck injuries are fun. Um, just because that's as a chiropractor, that's what we see a lot. A lot of times we're, we're known for helping out people with low back pain and neck pain. Mm -hmm. um, but over the years, I've I've grown more accustomed to treating. Uh, sounds kind of, some people might think as well, but feet. It's the foundation. And well, uh, very important. I can yeah. I can only imagine. So if the foot's not articulating as well as it could, then we just have to find ways for it to articulate. So mm -hmm. there's there's thirty three some there's thirty three joints in the foot, and if they're not all moving correctly, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. So if they're not all moving, and some of them are blocked, then your gate your gate's a little off. 
Um, and then wow. that can, it create a, then that's what it creates knee injuries, mm-hmm. create hip injuries, low back stuff. So mm-hmm. it is truly the foundation of what it is. And I didn't realize it how important it was. And now uh, I guess I'm not too sure if it's because of, of COVID or if it's like uh, this is a, a personal for for Robert. Um, he's my seven year old. When he walks, and I was wondering, I was like, why the other day him and uh, Margaret and Mo they're they're doing a, a foot race, mm-hmm. and unfortunately my oldest lost yeah. to my two youngest. No. But, yeah. I was, oh, I was, I was devastated. I was devastated from. But <laughs> it's because of the way he, he was running, like he was he was always running with a limp, because of um, we have to work on it. And mind you, he's seven years old, so I have to pick my battles, right? Yeah. But his foot, he toes out a little bit, so as he walks over it, he kind of buckles his knee over it. So he's not he's not coming over his toe. He's coming he's wobbling off the side of his foot. Mm. And there's a lot of people that actually do that when they walk into the clinic. It's just because you know, the, the the feet will kind of toe out a little bit, and as they walk over, mm. people, especially with flat foot, they'll kind of go that way. So I just retraining people on how to walk over their big toe, to and then using the proper foot mechanics uh-huh. to walk over their big toe to alleviate knee pain, to alleviate hip pain, mm. and then no back pain. But I can start okay. as early in, in Robert's case as seven. So we yeah. just have to work on, on different things. Right now, in that case, as a form of, uh, not recovery, but kind of like catch it before it gets bad, let's say, um, would you almost like coach them how to correctly move their feet or do you give them like a form of, like a way to treat it, like a treatment plan? Like, oh, if you do, if you foam roll this after, or if you like, I found it like, I'll like roll my foot on a golf ball after like a 12 hour shift on my feet where I need to balance all day and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's a, it's a combination of different things. So uh, sometimes I'll go in there and manually treat it with my, my thumbs and my fingers and try to nice. see if I can get things moving and what's moving and what's not moving. And then it's then after that it's 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 care. Mm-hmm. So if I could educate the the patient or the person enough that they can go home and self treat themselves like with the golf ball, and so yeah. fi- finding out what they're doing and some stretching the proper like foot mechanic kind of stuff, and there's actually some some exercises to do, then then they're usually a little bit better. Then they're usually a lot better. Um, as much as I like to admit all the stuff that we do in clinic, um, really and truly. We're probably at best maybe like a forty to fifty percent of the equation to helping people get better. Mm-hmm. When people step, when people step 40 in, forty to fifty. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's usually what I say. It's like okay, this is um, we're, we're we're a team now, so I can I can I can do my part, but yeah. they have to do their part. Um, and then the people that do end up doing their like the people that that are dedicated to their exercises, their rehab exercises, tend to get better faster, and that always hits the grand slam, and they're nice. able to. Oh, that's to, amazing. Yeah. You must see a lot of like situations like that that just make you go, yes, yeah. thank you. But I'm sure at the same so- at the same time, right? There's those that make you go, like, God damn it, why do you take care of yourself? You know? Yeah, just different things like that. But uh, you, you get to now nah, I'm nine years in, so you get to read people right off the, like pretty mm-hmm. quickly. So um, if it's 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 also you get to know like the go getters. Yeah. Uh, so they'll get, they'll probably get like three, four, five exercises, and then sometimes, then it, it works. Sometimes it'll work in the, uh, mm-hmm. against them. If they're like a weekend warrior, or they're like a, an athlete, and they're just go, 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 go all the time. Yeah. Then I kind of slow play it a little bit. So instead of having three, four exercises, they'll only get like two, three exercises, just because they'll over, they'll tend to overdo it. And overdoing it, it's fine that balance. Sometimes overdoing it can create more issues. And then if um, if it's if the person is slightly less motivated, they might get one or two exercises. Yeah. But those one or two exercises are crucial, and it's those are the the, the keystone exercises that they get. Right. 
Now, what are some misconceptions a lot of people have about uh, chiropractors that you found lately that are just, well, that's kind of silly. <laughs> um, if there are any that uh, come to mind. There's just... So the one thing that, uh, as a chiropractor, that, that, that's great about us is that uh, it's, it allows us a, a license to, to put our hands on people and to treat people. Right. So certain chiropractors uh, treat certain ways and mm -hmm. then other chiropractors treat different ways. Uh, so a lot of times, especially when people come see, see me, uh, I treat very heavy on the soft tissue side of things and not so much, I'm not very adjustment heavy compared mm -hmm. to, to others and some other chiropractors are very, very adjustment heavy and they have shorter treatment times. I'm more on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'll have longer treatment times, so it's usually 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. So there'll be a lot of soft tissue, some rehab, so like it flirts the line with physiotherapy-ish right. kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, so sometimes people will come in and they're like, well, I don't want my neck crack, or I don't want this done, I don't want that, I don't want to be mm -hmm. cracked. Then you're like, okay, that's, I explained them, it's like, that's fantastic. It's it's one tool in my toolbox if that's not nice. the equation, if that's not what you want to do. Yeah. It, it is, like I said, it is a 50-50 relationship, I mm -hmm. think. So if they're not uh, if they're not comfortable with me doing doing that, and if they don't buy into what I'm not buy into what I'm doing, but um, yeah, if they don't want that, then there's different other ways that we can go about it. Hmm. So yeah, interesting. Because I found um, a lot of um, I think a big preconceived notion people have towards it is the snap necks, cash checks. If they don't hear a crack or feel something go pop, it's ineffective. Um, it's it's a weird, it's a weird thing I've I've heard, and so hearing you say, it's, "Oh well, it's, dude, I don't just go crack and that's it. See, yeah. uh, here's 150 bucks. Like yeah. it's not that's not the case, right? No, no, so. it's definitely not. It's not the case all the time. It's a weird. The whole idea with the uh, the the adjustment is we just want to rest restore motion into the joint, mm -hmm. and with the adjustment, it's a it's a it's a it's a quicker way to do it. Right. Um, I see. Yeah, I see. That makes sense. That makes so. Sense. Well, to get the joint moving better, there's two ways that we can go. There, there's two main ways that we can go about it. We can go with the the adjustment and mm -hmm. get the joint moving. You get that audible noise, and sometimes yep. not even. Or if you look at the the spine, it's 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 almost like an antenna. Yep. If you strip everything away, it's like an antenna, yeah. and all the musculature around it is just the the, the guide wires to keep the antenna straight. Uh, so all those little muscles around it are the, the that's what's keeping it kind of like up. So if if the if the joint's not moving well, there's one way that we can affect it. We can go and just uh, do the adjustment. So we get it like a, a HVLA, so high velocity, high velocity low amplitude. So that's what the adjustment, the, mm -hmm. the cracking noises. Or we can go about a little softer, yeah, more with like a myofascial release and some gentle mobilization. So uh, where I'll, I'll come in and I'll find like a target joint that's not moving correctly. And then I'll add pressure to it for like um, 30 seconds, mm -hmm. a minute to a minute and a half. And just as I'm doing it, so the, as I, like for like for a neck instance, I'll try to flex so they'll tilt the nose up to the side and a little bit of rotation. So if any of those motions are moving very well, mm -hmm. I'm going to do the exact same motions, but I'm just going to keep my, my, my contacts there and do like a soft tissue release, a myofascial uh, release, and okay. eventually it's, it's almost like... The best way I've been able to describe it, it's like if you, to have, from what I feel, it's like if you had like butter that came, just came out of the, the fridge and it's hard mm -hmm. and somehow you're able to warm up really quick and the butter just kind of goes right through. That's what it kind of ah. feels like in my hands, just kind of that, that, that tissue just kind of all of a sudden just kind of release. 
Sometimes it takes 30 seconds, sometimes it takes a minute, sometimes it takes... So it takes a little bit of patience. And then, and then kind of come back and you find the next joint and then moving around. So it's, you're, you're gapping, moving the joint, yeah. stretching, stretching the tissue, <clears throat> sorry, stretching the tissues, the ligaments, not, not stretching it, but gapping enough so mm. you can get that extra motion through it and, uh, and, and getting things moving a little bit better. So it's, it's the whole idea with, 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 with treatment is just getting as many joints as we can moving as freely as possible mm -hmm. and then kind of coming around with the rehab exercises and then creating control within that, that new range of motion that we had. Whoa. So yeah, and then a lot of time pain will come from restriction motion. So if your neck is always kind of stiff in that kind yeah. of stuff, so if, if, if it's not moving the best it can and we can restore some of that motion, then you, you, people often get off the table and they kind of feel like, like, a, like a euphoric feeling or they'll kind of yeah. feel dizzy just because the body hasn't experienced that, range, that much range of motion that quickly over right. time. So then the body just has to get reacquainted and it takes a little bit of time and yeah. sometimes you'll feel like people feel discomfort and that kind of stuff. But then we just have to then we just have to just to strengthen it. Right. What I mean strengthen is we just have to create uh, more of an endurance in the musculature to withstand to withstand like the, the different Yeah. The, 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 the stress that we put on. Like even now as I'm sitting I'm kinda of crushing. Yeah, as you say, you know people's necks they crunch I'm like, mm, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah. so yeah, so as we're moving so it's it's just so we have the endurance of, of standing a little sitting upright a little bit more and I've been in a better posture. And Poor postures aren't bad. It's just that we just can't hang out with them too much. It's if it's a poor posture here, then I, I shift over and move into a different posture, and it, it just to, to share the load of the tissue. Mm -hmm. If I'm always in the same posture, then those tissues are going to get overstretched, mm -hmm. and uh, overstretched, and then the other ones are going to shorten. So like, uh, so it just creates an imbalance, and that's where the, the problems come in. So it just the fact that we're moving more more frequently is is the better thing. We're designed to yeah. move, so we should move. Right, and with that being said, and I know how important movement is, especially just as I, the more people I meet, the more people I talk to in the fitness industry and the health and recovery rehab industry, there's a lot of a lot of things that cross over and that people bring up that are the same, but I find movement, everything is just synonymous with moving well. Yeah. And I found after, so after I graduated college, I worked, I did Whatever, I did some work in an outdoor center, did some traveling, and then I worked in an office for a year. And my lower back and shoulders, every time I would go, I would go from the office, home, eat, go to jujitsu, go, or go to, like, lift weights, go to the gym. Um, my shoulders, I would have constant, like, rotator cuff, like, shoulder, like, my shoulders would always be sore. I was like, why is my neck getting, like, it's getting stiff really easy, or my back, I'm like, why is my back always sore? Like, I have, like, I, my hips were, like, not, they're, like, pinching all the time. I'm like, I wonder why. And then looking back, and as I talk to more people um, in the industry, it's a lot of, I'm sitting like this for a good portion of the day, and it was weird, because I'm either, I think, and we can get into this in a second, but they, we kind of had, like, a minor solution of, I wouldn't say ergonomics, um, but I'm sure it's a light form of it, but, like, the stand-up desk, yeah, yeah. Like that being a huge fad, but standing isn't moving. I think I almost felt it was like it was the same thing, except almost worse. Like, oh, my hips are like opened up a bit better, but my feet are sore, my knees are sore. And you're still like kind of in that coach posture because you gotta look at the monitor, right? Exactly. Yeah, the stand-up desk was it's uh it's portrayed as like the the end all and be all for. So the whole idea when it comes to to ergonomics is. 
Pop in the early 2000s, at least when I was going through school, we were always looking for like a perfect posture that we should sit in for eight hours. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. The no. whole idea with ergonomics is the fact that we were able to have variation throughout the day. Mm. So you could sit in one, one, one position for like 10 minutes, another position for 5 minutes, that, 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 and then that goes throughout the day. Yeah. Now the other thing too we have to, that sucks too is sometimes people just are, they get in a zone and they, they, they're able to just crush work in a poor posture. So it's like maybe yeah. they just get in a zone, it's like 4 or 5 minutes or an hour and they're just able to, to, crush, to crush time, right? Yeah. So the way I look at ergonomics, you want as much movement as you can. And the other thing is, it's almost like a, a natural break will come in. So if you have the other analogy, I'll use is like a wave. So if you're a wave in the ocean, you're just kind of going and you're, you're just crushing work all the time. Yeah. That's fine until you create, you create like a natural break, either like a coral reef or like a, some sort of break in the, in, in the, in the ocean floor and then, mm -hmm. the, and then the, the, the wave will kind of break. So that's when you take your break and that's when you move your, to your next posture. Because yeah. you still do this, we, we work, you, at work you still have to be productive. Yeah. So if you're in the, that flow, don't break it just because you have to change posture. It's like, right. do what you have to do. And then once you have a natural break, a natural uh, disturbance in, in your, your, mm -hmm. your flow, then change your posture, either yeah. standing or moving around, go go up to the washroom, to the second floor or the third floor, as far as you can, just yeah. get that, that moving going. Interesting. I think that's a good, that's a really good idea, especially if you're, you're working in the big, large commercial office spaces and stuff. But I found with, so now with a lot of people, um, kind of, we're kind of, I feel we're kind of towards the end of it, um, well, towards the end of the working from home. Um, I think we kind of, everybody realized now with the way COVID's been, is it, you're able to do your job from home, but I think a lot of people are excited to go back into that space, whether governments are gonna be having their workers go back to their big office buildings, I'm not sure. But with that being said, um, what is kinda the best way people can go about doing their movements or rehabbing from home or at home? Like when they're in, say they have like a small two bedroom or you saw my one bedroom apartment, imagine if, I had to work from home, and I'm sitting in there, got the dog running around or whatever, and there's, I get up, I walk to the kitchen and back, maybe 10 steps, not even, not really, seems like yeah, enough. That, you know? that, that's when you got to get creative uh, and use what you what you have. Um, mm. So, like for for instance, then for for you in, in the circumstance with like a smaller one bedroom apartment, once you get in that, that, that flow, yeah. um, then you just have to, then your break just has to be a little bit bigger, so whether it step outside, Walking outside, that kind of stuff would be would be beneficial. So like a mm -hmm. fifteen minute break outside, uh, walking forwards, walking backwards, and then yeah. doing like a even like a generic like um, not gymnastics program, but like a track workout where you're doing like A B's and C's where you're yeah, doing like, yeah. like it just to get the, the 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 blood flowing that way, or for like doing like a, a jujitsu warm up if you're mm -hmm. in your in your like doing like some some shrimps and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just different things like that, just to, to move a little bit differently. Um, so yeah, just it's a good idea. Yeah, it just to you just have to be creative of what you what you're doing, and the one thing I for me I really enjoy from like a martial art perspective is mm -hmm. either like a maybe not a martial arts but like a Pilates or like a yoga, yeah, or like a, a tai chi. It's uh, as we go as we progress to the to the movie. It's it's not from one from one posture to the next posture and getting into that stretch. Mm -hmm. It's the journey from one posture to the next posture and being conscious of how the body is moving, how, where it's not moving, how it's moving, yeah. and do I really want my do I want to open up my hip? Do I want to flex my foot more? Do I want to push my foot more on the floor? Do I want to open, rotate more my hand open? That mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And just being conscious 
of of what you're doing, mm-hmm. almost like a body meditation of, yeah. of of what you're doing. So just little little things like that. If you can come up with like a small like yoga routine, yeah. or like a tai chi, like or a kata type of thing. Yeah. Uh, that you have in a, yeah, in a hallway, yeah. just different things like I just yeah. just to move a little it's bit. Different. Unique type of movement. Eh? Yeah. I, I'm guilty of it too. Like I, I get yeah. my my mode when I'm treating that kind of stuff, and I run to the the front desk to my thing, and then come back and do. Yeah, more you get in your own way of. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I'm a, I I get my own way, so but it's <laughs> just to, to get the things moving a little bit different. It happens. Um, with that being said, um, what is kind of the best way? Because I find myself like guilty of this. Um, with, I'm working all day with my pouch on my right side, right? I got a 22 ounce hammer, everything, you know, I'm reaching always this way, I'm reaching that way. What's like the best way that I can kind of, or people in that scenario, like I have a lot of uh, like carpenter friends or like contractor friends who whether they have their pouch or they're just bending over weird and like lifting all always from the same side. Like what's the best way they can kind of like target, but any extra movement that can kind of counteract the strenuous movement that they're doing all day. The long story short is to become ambidextrous, but nobody can. Yeah. That doesn't happen, right? <laughs> no, it's not a thing. You're either born that way or... Well, I don't know. Like, not every... Well, like your, your previous guest, Zach, like, he's just a different dude, so he was trying to do a few things like... Well, like, I always put my wallet yeah. in my one pocket, so for one month he would put his pocket, like, his wallet in, in his right pocket, he put his wallet in his left pocket just to throw the brain off there for the exact... But, I should have asked him about that. I'll ask him another day. Yeah, another day. Ah, that's good. Never thought of that. But the other thing too, it all comes down. It comes back down to efficiency, right? When you're hired for a job, you have to do it as efficiently as you can because if you're if you're there, if you not that you waste an hour, but if it takes you an extra hour, it's an hour of productivity lost that you could have been somewhere else. Right. So, mm. it's a. Uh, it comes down so we just have to be conscious of like, well, if my hammer's always on my left side, and then I, I just pull everything on this side and I do everything with my other, my right hand. It just that's how your body works and that's how your, your brain works and that's cool. It just when you're maybe when you're doing your jujitsu is focusing uh, your techniques on the opposite side. So if you're dominant on the one side, mm-hmm. it's just to increase your jujitsu game and maybe practice more on your non-dominant side. That kind of yeah. stuff too, just to just to, to make the brain work a little bit differently. Like that. Because when it comes to like what we do for a living, we have to be efficient at it, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. then, yeah, you want to come home and that kind of stuff, and you want to have a life. You want to do your jujitsu practice, yeah. you want to do that other stuff. So for a, if, if productivity is lost working, mm-hmm. then it just takes away from the stuff that we kind of enjoy, right? Right. Um, but the other thing too is uh, I, I, I was I was treating another car. Uh, Carpenter, and he had a similar because uh, if you can, you want to load up as, uh, from my understanding, you want to load up your, your toolbox as much as you can, so you don't have to come running back to the truck all the exactly. time. Exactly, like whatever batteries, impact yeah. drills, hammers, everything. Because we come down to efficiency, and you, you really exactly want, right. Yeah, yeah. Do you really want to be that geek guy that rolls on the, the construction side with like a like a suitcase full of stuff and just pull never? It? And that's never. A, and that's not that efficient either because you got to climb stairs, you got to climb ladders, you got to climb yeah. that kind of stuff. Right? It's not safe. It's not. Rational. Yeah. So, um, and I know that there, there's different things, different toolbars that you can get with like shoulder straps and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it's just to find one. And in your circumstances, as a car, as a carpenter, it's just to find a toolbar that's comfortable for you. Yeah. And then try to unload things. And same thing uh, with police officers; they have a hard time with because they could put some stuff on their their vest. Uh, yeah. 
but they still have a massive amount of, of, of weight on their belt and on their vest right. just because it's all the other stuff so it, it, mm. it's, it's, it's almost it's a good example not that I want to say what it is but it's almost like a it's like a hazard for, for the job type of thing so mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's that's, that's the work that you do and that's the consequences that comes with it uh, would there be an ideal world that we could just put everything in like backpacks and then throw everything up and oh I'm sure but it would be, how, how efficient would it be to like throw your hammer in your backpack and every time you need it you kind of throw it around pick it up and oh it'd be great <laughs> it'd be great if there look it'd be great if there's a way that you could do it effectively okay right I think that'd be that's a really cool idea let's get that uh, let's get that going because there's a there's a bunch though like people I know nowadays like there's different pack out bags there's different containers there's like cards people pull at the job sites and then we're always going back to the truck and whatever tools you can fit in your hand. I definitely don't think the belt I'm wearing is the best one for me. It's like very, very wide and just like sits heavy. And like, it hangs weird, so yeah, I gotta figure that out. But that's a that's a me issue, that's a me future me problem. Um, but it's still, it's still not the, but there's it's not a lot something, of, yeah. You think, that, yeah, with all the technology and stuff that we have, I think it's some belts, I'm sure there are some belts, I don't know if maybe like, the only uh, people that I really know that, that does that kind of stuff when it comes to marketing stuff is like maybe like Lee Valley and like you have like the D yeah. in Milwaukee and your McKinney oh, yeah. kind of guys, right? Uh, but I'm almost wondering, uh, hopefully you maybe won't give too many ideas, but like like a, almost like a, a built-in apron yeah. with a tool belt. Like yeah, I don't know sort. if you, uh, like the old school, like I don't know, maybe I just romanticize about... Um, <laughs> Movies and stuff like, but like old school like blacksmiths, it felt like they had like this massive apron, yeah. and it was it cut down maybe wrap around their thighs and stuff. Yep. If there's a way that we could have maybe like incorporate like a, a belt mm. into that, and that would come into like a, over the shoulders, like yeah. a, almost like a backpack to to spread the load around. Interesting. I know there's that um, like there's the ones that go over yep. and they clip in with the belt, and it's all kind of pieced together, and those are comfy. Take a couple seconds to take off and put on and throw over, but. Yeah. Other than that, like they sit here, so you have more on you, and it's almost like that, but it doesn't. Uh, I think there's more room, like I said, like with the apron and finding a way to like tuck, depending on the way, depending on what you're doing. I think what you're doing is huge, right? Because I don't. I have a lot of. I have an assortment of things in my tool pouch, and there's not a lot that I carry around that I really don't use. But I know people who carry around a bunch of stuff that I'm like, you know, you're framing houses all day. I'm doing like maintenance, so you're not gonna have a set of channel locks in your pouch, but you're gonna have two hammers or a bunch of screws or a bunch, or you're gonna have a big pass load nail gun next to you attached. It's like a good two, three pounds hanging from your right side all day, and a 26 ounce hammer on the other side. You're going all over the place lifting like 10 pound sheets of plywood over your head, and you're like, well, versus like, you know, going in and fix pipes or going in and remove and replace locks and stuff, which is uh, more my speed. I'd rather do that. It's just lighter, it's cleaner, and uh, I can work in doorways and not have to frame in the winter. I regret ever doing that. Perfect. So, yeah. Yeah. It all, well, it all, yeah. And once again, a, a tool ball is what it is. It's a tool that mm -hmm. you need to do the job, right? Exactly. So, are you going to spend like five, ten minutes every time before, like going through all your tool balls and do I need this? Do I need this? So. Yeah. True. It comes down to the like. I, I feel like I'm. Yeah. It's. I wish I had, to be honest, long story short, I wish I had a better answer for you. It's, uh, I think it's just to be conscious of what you're doing at work mm -hmm. and find ways to counteract it uh, at home and in your, in your, 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 your time, yeah. your downtime. 
Uh, sometimes uh, I know we're going back to it, but like a, like a, like a martial arts, like a tai chi, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and doing that that kind of flow of motion, some form of like relaxed movement, or yeah, even. yeah, or um, so, some like intro gymnastics kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like some intro level like planches, and then some mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, just to get things moving a little bit different, because you you have all that load all over you all day on on the belt, so the core has to be rock solid because. Yeah. Um, if the belt's heavy, what's going to happen is going to tilt the pelvis forward. Yes. So it's going to put undue stress on the back because the back muscles will have to contract a little bit more. The, the, That's the why abdominal. back sometimes yeah. in a lot of us. Yeah, so the, the abdominals yeah. are going to be stretched forward so the, 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 the abdominal wall won't be as strong or as useful. So it's, it's trying to keep that, that, that pelvis level. Mm-hmm. So it's creating a, a stronger, I, I, I hate the word strong, it's almost a strength with endurance core to support your right. way of work. Just so when you come home at night, you're not just completely wrecked. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's tough too after dropping in like uh, eight, ten, twelve hours at work. Oh yeah, at least with, at least eight always. Yeah. yeah, doing some manual labors and coming home. Sometimes you're just beat, especially if you're like a day like today with all the humidity. It's brutal. It, it, yeah. It's tough. It's tough to get in the mindset like, okay, maybe I should sit down and actually do some some personal mm-hmm. things. Like, nah, maybe I'll just yeah, check out Netflix. I'm just gonna lie down and watch some flicks. Yeah. yeah. So. Switching gears a bit, you have not three, you have four kids, correct? Yeah, we have four. Okay, um, so they're all young and everything, and I'm wondering how do you find a balance between because not just oh you're a cow, but you run your own, you run your own, you're like oh here we go, so start the car, right? So how do you find a balance um, between the family time and all the kids, like you know every kid gets the love, everything. And making sure your practice is doing as well as it can. Where's that balance? And it's crazy because I value your time that much more that you're here. So, oh. so I appreciate it. Again. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a very understanding wife at home. That helps, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, we have a little bit of support at home. Like my mother-in-law <laughs> lives with us, and my mom and dad are, are two streets over. Nice. So we have a lot of support that way. Oh, that's easy. Um, Better. I'm forever chasing that elusive. Uh, work-life balance that everybody's talking about. Uh, I haven't found it yet, and I haven't found the magic formula. Uh, I actually had a conversation with a, well, two interesting conversations, one with a a close friend, two of them with really close friends, actually. And um, one of my buddies, Mario, he said, is like, take care of of the family, and then everything else takes care. So if, if you have to work to take care of the family, that's where you just worry about your wife, worry about your kids, and then make sure that they're taken care of. And then hopefully everything kind of uh, like everything works out in the end. Well, everything so it's like well if I have to come to work to take care in this day and age I have to come to work to take care of the family so I'm doing yeah. I'm doing the absolute best I can to take care of the family and the people around me. Um, and then the other interesting conversation I had with my my workout buddy this morning was uh, I feel like vacation times are 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 the they're they're they're, they're poorly loaded because most of the guys. Most of the people when they start in the workforce have young families, so yep. maybe when you intro, like when the person gets intro into instead of having, starting with like two weeks off of the vacation, maybe setting up like a contract, like a ten year, like a fifteen contract with the the company, and then all the vacation times front end loaded. So the the younger, the the more junior guys have like the the five, the six, the seven, the eight weeks vacation time, so they could spend more time with their kids, have like a better work life balance. And then the guys that are coming into like when they're, they're like their their kids are a little bit the more seasoned I say guys I mean guys and girls like the more seasoned workers right. maybe have a little less time to allow 
the the like the the junior guys, the, mm-hmm. the junior people on the staff to have that to have that more work time balance, like that work balance, and um, and then the, the more seasoned people maybe work a little. I know it's it sounds kind of productive when we think like from like union stuff, like you, mm-hmm. you go in, you gotta earn your vacation time and all that other stuff, but. If you have a person that comes in and they get they get they get to spend some time with their kids at home, like I, I'm, I feel like from a an, like a like from a business perspective, you you you're creating that loyalty already because mm-hmm. they got to go home, they get to enjoy their their family and that kind of stuff, and they get to spend more time and see their kids grow up. And then yeah, yeah once that once then they appreciate the fact that they got to spend that time, and then they, they might put in the the work on the back end. And so they be that's what I meant by front end loading it. Yeah, I see just, what you mean. Just a different, con- I don't know, just, not that it's, it's going to go anywhere, but yeah. just, just one of those random squirrel thoughts I had this morning when I was, I was talking. Interesting. That's a cool way of looking at it, because I find now, my partner says that he's got two twins, right? Uh, and, or he has one set of twins. He has two, yeah. Boys. yeah. Anyways, he, uh, people are like, oh, uh, you want to work late? And he's like, nope, not work past 5.30. I got kids, man. He, him, and he points at me, he's like, he can work however... He can work however late he wants. He doesn't have any responsibility. He's got no no crazy things like that. I'm like, yeah, well, probably. But so I see it being if you can find that's a really cool way though of looking at it. Where if you could find the way to take care take care of the family and then everything else just takes care of itself. Yeah. But it, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's true because I remember before I had kids, like, yeah. well, I, I still do some, I, I still pull in some dumb hours. I remember walking in like seven o'clock in the morning at my clinic, working with Eve. And then not leaving till eight thirty nine o'clock at night, just because like well, some person was coming in for like a a workout at eight o'clock, and then the, they finished. I was like, yeah, whatever. After your workout, I'll, I'll treat you, and then I'll go home. Yeah, that's what it takes. It, yeah, cause that's what it took at the time. Um, so yeah, so now I just have to yeah. So but yeah, I didn't have any kids to worry about, so I just had to worry about coming home, eating, and going yeah. to bed, and waking up and doing it all the next day, right? So and at the time, like I. That that gym had like my community, like I had a lot of friends in there. It was like a community, so it felt it felt like that too. Nice. And kind of like the way the clinic kind of built, like because yeah, the community's there now with the uh, the staff that we have around us. Uh, yeah, they're 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 they're, they're friends, and then we're treat, we're we're office, we're all we're all practitioners, but they they become like more like friends. So we like we work well together and that kind nice. of stuff. So, I have that community there, so it's quite nice to to have that that camaraderie at, at the clinic as well, mm-hmm. and it's enjoyable. Um, That's like, good to hear. Yeah, yeah. So another kind of um, separation uh, question uh, between separating two uh, and like compartmentalizing certain things in your life. Um, how do you find? We kind of touched on this a little bit before uh, uh, we hit record today, but how do you find a way to separate? Um, and this is something I've been talking with like a bunch of people in in different industries. Like, how do you find a way to separate, like to go a middle ground where you're not ripping people off, but you're still making a healthy living and providing for your family and making that money and living the way you want to live. But at the same time, providing that good service and building that trust with that client base. How do you manage to find that separation where like money's a priority, but also your clients are, how is that, uh, how do you find that? Well, like we talked about, it all depends on how, mm-hmm. what, how much, where the value is set into money. Um, right. There was a time early in my practice where I looked at the dollar and was like, I want to, I want to earn this much money, and it took me forever to build my practice. And when I stopped caring about money and just started caring about people, 
I didn't have to worry about money. Whoa. So interesting. Yeah. That, huh. Put in, put in, a fair, charge a fair price. Yeah. Uh, like you, like you talked, talked about, like absolutely. Um, <laughs> I, I got commented earlier, like yeah, one of my uh, patients asked me, he's like, oh, how come you're ten dollars more than the other people? I was like. I looked at him and was like, "Why? I'm ten dollars more than other people." I was like, oh, "I just didn't do. I, didn't, I guess I didn't do my research properly." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, you, no, no, it's okay. It, it's it's uh, yeah, you say you, uh, yeah. So once you're in there, you set you, you your your what you feel that you're the, a fair a fair dollar for for your services. And every time that you go into like for me as I, when I step into that treatment room. I wish I could say it always happens, but mm-hmm. every time I step into that treatment room, my intent is that I'm going to give the best treatment that I can at this moment in time. Mm. We all have bad days, we all have good days. Some of my treatments, like I said, sometimes I'll walk in and say, oh, that was a really, really good treatment. And then sometimes you just have an off hour or an off day, like even in like a professional athlete, sometimes you just have, you come into a slump, just things are going around in your life, that kind of stuff. But it doesn't matter, every time I step into that treatment room, it's like, today, this is the best thing, I'm going to give the best treatment that I can give them today. Mm-hmm. And then once once that that ball keeps rolling and stuff like that, then um, then the the rest kind of I don't want to say the rest kind of falls falls into it, but every decision that I made over money in the past had never really worked out for me. Ah. So yeah. uh, I just set my my goals of which how I want the clinic and with things like that and with the people that I want around me. So mm-hmm. I surround myself with with good people like like Dan and Pat, like yeah. Andrea, Crystal, Krista, and then Carla, like they're just all good people around and unfortunately we lost Zach, mm. but he's, I'm super stoked for that guy. So right. I surround myself with really good people where we feed off each other, we provide a good service, and we're, a lot of us are like-minded, and we just want to do the, the best we can for that patient or that client at that point in time, mm-hmm. and then move on to the next one type of thing. Nice, and uh, to touch on uh, what you said, kind of, uh, briefly mentioned something about it. Um, you know, like the good days and bad days. Now, not to focus on a bad moment or a good moment or a specific like client or anything, obviously. But do you have a a moment? Let's call it a teachable moment that you experienced yourself that you're like, ooh, like that. T- like because of that moment or that experience you went through, you like grew astronomically. Yes. Like Cairo specific. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you able to you let, let us in on it? Yeah, and elaborate. Uh, spare um, the details that you uh, can't share, obviously. And, yeah. Early in my practice, yeah, the one went a little south. Um, when we talk about stuff, and, and uh, I'm pretty sure. Also, something that, uh, one of the risks that comes with an adjustment is that you can break a rib. I'm not 100% sure that I did, but it sure felt like it. So it's just every, everything, the, the treatment was going super smooth, super smooth, super smooth. And in my head, I was like, man, this is going rock. So I was like, if I just do this one last uh, thing, yeah. it's going to be astronomically better. Yeah, and unfortunately, it didn't turn out that way for, for me on that time. So from, from that one, it's it's knowing how, I learned from that one is how far to push the tissue. Yeah. And and always <laughs> that, that, even when we were in high school stuff, like when I was doing football, I was like, that one last practice, or that let's do one more round, one more whatever. No, one more, right? Yeah. That's when we always get injured, right? So if I, in my head I was like, oh, I want to do if I do this one last thing or this one more thing, it's going to be that much better. Every time I think of that one more thing, it's like, yeah, tissue tolerance is we we max it, we're yeah. done. Let let's let's let that cool. Um, 
so so there's that and then and then the other thing too is not uh, it is it is a relationship between the the patient and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but not not let the patient dictate my treatment when I was early in my career though I had a I had a patient on my table when I was at, at Boreal um, great guy well respected and that kind of stuff and he's like yeah keep pushing it keep pushing it keep pushing it in my head I'm just like man if we keep pushing this this stretch it's, it's gonna turn out bad yeah I had a conversation with him like two days later he's like yeah man we overdid it I was like yeah in my head I was like yeah we yeah, definitely yeah, did over it so once again it's like for me um, finding dictating not that that not uh, yeah I just dictate where the, the treatment goes type of thing so just always always a little shy I rather put little building blocks and be a little more on the gentle side of things mm-hmm. than go in and just completely wreck you and then you're you're wrecked for like two three days you can't move and in my opinion if you if you can't move the the following few days because of what I did uh, we're slowing down treatments we're slowing down your progress anyways because you're not moving you're not doing what you want to do so yeah it's it's you moving the next day or right after treatment that's just as important as the treatment so if I, if what I do in the treatment room hinders you from doing your job the next day or whatever or doing anything because you're so stiff and sore because of treatment and it's 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 it's, it's kind of counterproductive especially because you'll sit on the couch and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. well people tend to sit out to, to rest a little too much yeah and then it just slows down the progress other because mm-hmm. they're not stressing the muscles they're not moving the muscles they're not getting the blood flow they're not stressing the tissue the way they need to yeah so that remodeling process is just it just slowed down Interesting. I don't know if some of my friendships are getting in the way as I'm explaining it there, but... Oh, no. Okay. No, it's okay. I uh, actually had an odd interaction today with a woman at Home Depot. So, you go to the self-checkout and you hit... I was like, you know, I'll just have a bit of fun. You know? So, I hit en français because, like, I can understand it, obviously, significantly better than I could speak it. Okay. Um, ask everybody I've ever spoken to in French um, or had a conversation with in French, let's say. But, so... I think there's this there's a stigma around people who speak the language to an extent. I'm not saying with everybody, but I think they have this very like mm-hmm way about them, right? Yeah. And um, almost like a condensation or sorry, a condescending way about themselves. Um, and this is the experience I had. I uh, I go and I hit the en français, and it starts to check out, and it says the steps I need to do in French. And I'm like, please scan items place in bags but they're doing that in French so the lady come by and she's like oh you speak French and I was like oui je parle français and then I'm like laughing I'm like yeah my buddy's learning French you know je parle français and she's like oh you're not French and I'm like I never said I was French I said I speak it I can understand it and then she was like wow you shouldn't speak it if you aren't French and I was like hold on a second and then we were just kind of, we were on our way out, so we were kind of like rushing, we were just getting, uh, we were doing like a plumbing service call, and I had to go, we had to go get parts and stuff, and um, so we went, we had parts, a couple tools, and uh, we left, and uh, so we were kind of in a bit of a rush, right, like we're on the clock, and so for her to say that to me, I was like, you know, the majority of the people I hang out with speak French, and you're gonna say that to me? It hurt my feelings, Andre. I'll be honest. I was like, "Oh," she's like, "You shouldn't speak French if you don't, if you aren't French." And I was like, "Are you okay? What's going on?" It's uh, not my favorite Home Depot experience. Let me tell you. So, uh, your French is uh, it's all right. 
it all comes down to to practice to practice, right? So like, yeah. Well, so yeah, so if, if you want to get better at speaking French, and you should practice being able to speak French. If you want to get better at jujitsu, you should be able to practice at becoming better at jujitsu. For mm -hmm. me, like, I'm a chiropractor. I practice like that's why that's we call it practice, right? Because every day we step in the office, we try to be better than yesterday. We're learning from the day before. Da -da -da. Right. So same yeah. same same idea with with, with the the maintenance stuff. The fact that you guys do different things or study different every every house has their different approaches, right? Oh, yeah. Different nuances and that kind of thing. So you're learning and you're just putting that into like the, the practice bank and the the knowledge bank type of thing. Interesting. That's a cool way of approaching or thinking about just the steps you go through every day, right? Like oh uh, like removing or replacing a deadbolt on a door. It's all the same. The door's got a lock, key's gotta turn in, lock the door, take the key out, the yep. door stays locked. There's so many ways of messing it up, but if you know how to do it right, then just the bolts change, or like there's different sizes, there's different ways, there's like keyless entry, and there's all that stuff that kind of is different, but at the end of the day, the door's got a lock. Yep. Right? So I see it. Yeah, that's a cool way of approaching the way you do everything every day, and I think that's a, I think that mindset allows you, and especially with your saying in your example of it's a practice, I own a practice. Mm -hmm that it kind of allows you to be okay with like making mistakes, learning, getting better and always improving, right? I think it allows that it, gateway. It, yeah, it, it brings that like growth mindset or exactly. in, 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 into, into the practice a little bit more. Because if we're closed-minded, then then at the end of the day, then the patient isn't getting the best care that they possibly can. Right, which is and, not the case yeah. that you want. Yeah. And same thing if 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 you have a certain bolt that you only put in, but you yeah. have to I don't know like the only one I really know is like schlage, schlag, schlag, schlag. Let's schlag. go okay. right on. You almost had it. Okay. So yeah, so is that? But if, yeah. if that's the only deadbolt that you know how to use, and you come up to like the competitor one, you're like, you're like uh, so it's, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, so you have you have you have to be diversified and that kind of stuff and be mm -hmm. able to to roll with the punches on that one. Sorry for the, but yeah. So then once again, no, just to practice and. And then learning how to to overcome that obstacle from from one company sure. to the other because uh, I, yeah I didn't realize that they have like different I, my my door broke so I had to figure it out on my own yeah oh next time give me a shout uh, okay, sure. and I'll uh, I'll take care of you don't worry <laughs> yeah that's a yeah that's a that's interesting but yeah so it's all different things and challenging yourself and and wanting to to be better and don't get me wrong like for like sometimes in in, in clinic like we all have we all have bad days sometimes and sometimes. Yeah, so it's not always the we try to do the best care, but sometimes it's just sometimes it's just not in us to to do the best. Like yeah. we have varying varying standards, right? We're so, human. Yeah, just like pro professional athletes. Like sometimes we mm -hmm. we, we we hop on some professional athletes when there's slumps. Like, but dude, they're 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 human. Sidney yeah. Crosby can't be Sidney Crosby every single day, every single practice, no. every single uh, game. He's gonna have ups. He's gonna have downs. He can't be an all star every day. Yeah. So it's just like everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Andre, switching gears a bit. Um, there, uh, I think the date was. Um, let's see, yeah, um, June eleventh, two thousand twelve. Yeah. Tell me um, about that day, because what I I was told to ask you about this, okay, by a handful of ple by a plethora of people. Uh, June twelfth. June twelfth. Uh, yeah, uh, June, uh, June 11, no. June 11, 2012. It's oh. weird. It's weird because 12. Yeah. But, <laughs> excuse me, um, you did something, like, remarkable. 
on that day, and you're laughing, but like I'm, I was uh, flabbergasted when I heard what you did. So can you uh, enlighten everybody on what I what we both know? I'm just surprised that you got the date. Uh, so I, I keep messing up the day when I always got because uh, the ninth is when me and Brian started dating. So I always got I mix up the, those days. So June ninth, uh, so June twelfth. There's a few significant days. Kind yeah, of really close like together. back to back. Oh, yeah. So okay. uh, uh, yeah. Happened? So June twelfth, twenty twelve. I had the opportunity to um, uh, to give a part of my liver. Uh, Part of, so in 2011, my uncle was diagnosed with uh, liver <coughs> cancer. Jeez. So he was very fortunate the way it happened. Um, he went for, uh, I think it was like kidney stones. They were suspecting he had kidney stones. So the uh, the ultrasound technician was awesome. So actually was ultrasounding, or he, or, as, a, as a technician was ultrasounding the mm -hmm. kidneys, they noticed something in the liver just because like you, you have the kidney right here mm -hmm. in the back. And then the liver with the ultrasound was just a little right, bit above. Right above. So the tech expanded their, their, their field and, and then they, they were able to see the, uh, I forget it was like two, three, or four nodes. So anyways, it was diagnosed, my uncle was diagnosed, short story, uh, yeah, he was diagnosed with liver cancer and it was like specific to the liver because it didn't metastasize, so it didn't move anywhere, so it was specific to the liver. So uh, yeah, he got the unfortunate news that he had the, the unfortunate see the cancer. Um, and then yeah, so, um, he um, we he underwent certain steps and uh, his uh, my aunt Linda she found out about uh, uh, live liver donors. So um, it's it's a rel at the time to me it was new practice but I think it started like in the nineties where people would kind of go under surgery and there was there was, a, there was only a select few um, at the time that were that were done. Um, so yeah, so I was able to uh, I went through she went through the testing and unfortunately she wasn't a match for my uncle. And then I want to start going through the testing, and fortunately, I was a, I was a match. So my blood type, my liver, my liver size, and all that other stuff, it was it was within their tolerance level. Okay. Uh, yeah. for 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 me to become a match. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so there's a few things that I had to do um, because of my diet at the time. I, I just crushed sugar all day and a lot of grains and stuff like that. So I had a, a not, what they call now is a non-alcoholic fatty liver. So I had like liver I had fat within my liver so I had to lean that out so I went on like an OptiFast diet so I think I lost something like 40 pounds and just so the only thing I was drinking is like these OptiFast shakes for like three three months sounds ridiculous yeah oh it was, it was brutal um, oh. uh Frank and my mom and my dad probably just hated me I was I was probably the, the biggest jerk to them for the longest <laughs> time um, oh yeah Always hungry. <laughs> Always hungry. Yeah. Only oh no. Going from like I don't know, like twenty five hundred to like three thousand calories down to like nine hundred calories. So I was probably oh yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So everything worked out, and I was uh, cleaning out the liver, did all the stuff that I had to do, and uh, I had the opportunity to to give up part of my liver uh, to give to my uncle. So they they took out like the the right lobe, and uh, and then so they took yeah so they cut me open. Kind of went in there, mm. took my took the section that they they needed from for me, gave it to him, and then my liver got to to regrow. Um, yeah, it's interesting just, that I can do that. Yeah, it's just That's like skin, so it's really two organs cool. I can regrow is the liver in that one. So it re, so, yeah, so now I have a, a different version of a liver than most people, but uh, it still works and it's it's it's, it's awesome. And uh, so yeah, twenty. So we're coming up on uh, twelve, uh, ten years of. Uh, 
of him still being with us, and he's uh, cancer free and all that other jazz. Amazing. So next yeah. uh, next summer, we have next decade. Su- yeah, next summer will be a decade. Yeah, June eleventh, twenty twenty two. Yeah. So, but I'm just surprised on how wow. the research has, has come along because just uh, about a year after me, Toronto General uh, celebrated their one hundredth live liver donor. So ten years ago, and then now, yeah. Whoa. So it was relatively new at the time for Toronto General. Is that not scary? Like, were you not like, what was that process like when they when like, you're like, oh yeah, like, did all you guys decide to go get tested to go see if you could? Uh, all just or? just my just my aunt and just me, because um, it's a relatively expensive process, right? Because we have to go for like blood work, uh, MRIs, CT scans. So that's what the process is. They like yeah. MRIs, well, yeah. So okay. just, and then uh, I got stabbed twice for like a liver biopsy to make sure that my liver was up to snuff and it was stabbed. Yeah. I'm. So I'm not in the medical field, so I'm a little unaware so of what those terms are. They they took a, a biopsy, so they just had to take pieces of uh, like they just had to take pieces of my liver. So like I'm just going to mirror just because where the camera is. So they just mm. went between my ribs with like a like a, a, a needle about ye long. What do you mean like yeah ye long? Yeah, That's going through the, one side out the other. It looked about that long. <laughs> so they went probably they felt might, that long. Yeah. Oh uh, no. So they, they I'm not too sure if they did an incision. So they came in between my ribs and just kind of jab my liver and they pulled tissue samples out just to see how the quality of my liver. Yeah, that happened twice. So yeah, there's just different things that, <laughs> that happened, happened twice, by the way. Yeah. Ooh, no. Because they had to see how, at the time, because I had the, the fatty liver, so they had yeah. to see the content of it. Because it's, uh, uh, if I remember correctly, if it's over 10% of fat in the liver, as soon as they take the liver out and they put it on ice, the fat will destroy the rest of the liver. So all the efforts Uh-oh. that I did it will be wasted because as soon as they put it on ice, mm-hmm. the liver's dead. Just because of the way the fat will harden or whatever and it just destroys the, the fat liver. just ruins the liver, right? Eh? Yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, so I had to get it under 10%. So I, I was able to clean that out. So that's the reason I, I got stabbed twice is so they, they found I had above 10% and then they had to make sure that my liver was under 10% so I got stabbed again. And uh, yeah, it worked out quite well. Um, as well as it can when you're getting stabbed by an 18-inch needle. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's it sounds kind of weird. Um, when it came down to it, I, I feel like it was almost like a, a people think it's like a, a selfless act, but to me it was a it was more of a selfish act because I, the way I, was, I thought about it is if I had the opportunity to help save somebody's life and I kind of didn't for my own personal issues or whatever, how would I feel five years from now, ten years from now? So the fact that I had this opportunity to save somebody's life, I took it, yeah. and then now I'm okay with my, I'm, I'm very okay with my decision, I'm healthy, and then he's, yeah. he, he's got, he got ten extra years. Yeah, and, least, and, and, right? and, and then counting, right? Yeah. So yeah, so it's just like, so you, it's like I had this opportunity to, to do this, do I take the opportunity? Or do I just like, no, I want to keep my own liver, I want to do my own thing with my stuff and just kind of not do it. And who knows, that might have made you, like, do you find you take better care of yourself now knowing, like, after the fact? Do you, like, take better care of, like, your liver? Like, you said you had, like, it was, like, uh, there was a lot of, like, uh, beer, high sugar diet. Do you find, like, you're taking better care of yourself now? I I did for a certain time and then then I did the dad thing with, uh, with kids. Of course, you always have to, like, there's leftovers and that kind of stuff. So you then just I put I, it back. I, I put it back a little bit, and then and then I had a wake up call mm-hmm. about like two two and a half years ago, 
and then I just once again just restarted it. Nice. Cool, cool. That's good that you're able to make that like at least realization and flip it back. It's not like oh, I'm back in the old habit. It's like no, it's I'm doing it for my kids. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, you guys don't want to eat the Big Macs? I'll eat the Big Macs. I'm sure they don't eat Big Macs, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. But it's, it's all the dumb stuff. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, like, I'd have my portion, and then they'd have, like, leftovers, so i just, like, mm -hmm. eat their leftovers as, like, my seconds, and so... Ah, right, so you're just eating more. Yeah, I just eat more than I needed to. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's yeah. eating more of the same meal, or something. Yeah. Uh, okay, now, do you... I know, I, when I was working in summer camps, and I'd have young kids, and they'd all be picky and fussy and stuff, and I was uh, responsible for them, they would... I would find myself... I would never... I would rarely fill my plate, because I knew I'd have to eat every single one of their plates. So I got nine of them. Like I have like anywhere from like seven to like fifteen campers and between myself and my co counselor I never I'm like, hey man, like we're not gonna finish our meals today because uh that kid, that kid and that kid. When you get a list, like right, we got a list at the be on like the the Friday night for the following Monday's week kids. Yeah. Right? So it would be the name, how old they are, <laughs> excuse me. And like anything the parents think we need to know. <laughs> and there's always like Fussy eater, fussy eater, fussy eater, fussy eater, and then there's like allergy to this, allergy to that, yeah. right? So I'm like, oh, okay. So it was there was one week where I think I ate the sixty percent of my meals were gluten free, because the kids would have gluten food and then be very picky with it and then not eat it, and it's like, well, it's expensive and you know it's a low funded camp, so we kind of can't waste much. So I would end up putting it down, and I think. I put, every like all the women at the end of summer would be like, man, I weighed 135 pounds when I started. I weigh 115 now after two months, and they're all, like happy with their weights. They're feeling good. They have energy, and I'm like, came in here 155. I left 180. What's going on? I've never been that big. I'm looking. I'm like abs are gone. I feel thick. I got like there's a funny photo on my Instagram of me. Uh, my girlfriend calls it my uh, my travel body because I uh, man, I'm uh, sitting. Or sorry, I'm standing in Pisa over a bridge, and all you see is like I'm wearing this hat, fanned out, glasses, and you see just my belly go like this. It's awful, man. Like it was all the French cars, all the Italian food, just everything just went straight to here. Yeah, and it was just like I was like chubbing out, and I was like, yeah, this is crazy. So I understand when you say uh, I have to put back uh, my youngins' meals. Yeah, yeah. So, but now I just I don't do it as much anymore. So. Yeah, so it helps out, but now it's more like the intermittent fasting. It's more for me. That's what it is. It's so yeah. I just excuse me. Yep. I, I tend to do um, just one meal a day, and then yeah, it's it's good to go. One meal as yeah. like a fast. How does that? Uh, how does your so fast I, work? I just have yeah. So I just have a twenty-four hour fast, yeah. more or less. So well, maybe twenty-two hour fast. So I'll have like a a meal and then a, little, a quick little dessert or like a snack. But my nice. my, my my snack at the end of the night is like. Three, four tablespoons of like peanut butter and like a tablespoon of jam. Nice. So just different things like that. Um, the the reason for like the the fasting and that kind of stuff it just simplifies my life. Huh. Because like I have my coffee in the morning, I help the kids get together, I make their lunch and all that other stuff. So I don't sit down and not waste, but I just don't have like twenty minutes or like thirty minutes and yeah, sit down with prep, the, make your meal, sit down, eat your like. Yeah, yeah, so I get to sleep the extra half hour. All right, which at the end of the day sleeps key. Yeah. So huh. now. And then at work, I'm self-employed, so, so uh, most of the time I'll blow through my lunch, just because people like people like coming in uh, before work, at lunchtime, and then after work. If they could, if they could minimize their time away from work, it's best. It. Yeah, that makes sense. So then, so then, mm -hmm. yeah, I just structure my my day that way, and then just 
so it happens that when I get home at whatever uh, 6 30 7 o'clock at night I'll have my meal mm. put the uh, get the kids washed put the bed and that kind of stuff and I'll have a little snack and then I'll kind of go to bed nice yep. now as we kind of take towards the end of the show how do you um, if you have any like piece what is any piece of um, let's say advice or wisdom for specifically because I want a broader answer later but specifically um, students whether it be going into chiropractor school or just coming out of chiropractor school and wanting to do exactly what you're doing like what kind of I have I have a couple friends who aren't in the city wanting to do that when they graduate and kind of take similar routes and stuff what uh, advice or uh, lesson did you did you learn kind of the hard way let's say that uh, you would that you would uh, pass on or even to yourself back then um, when for, it all depends. Uh, when you're first starting, pick a practice that's busy. Busy. Yeah, because if you if you hop in, uh, just don't jump at the first opportunity that, that comes around. Um, pick your pick your yeah, pick the spot, and then it doesn't always have to be busy because sometimes the busy practices you'll get the raw end of the deal. It'll be like a different split and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, find a, a practice that you're comfortable with, that your views kind of align with the uh, the chiro or the physio that owns the clinic at the time, um, and then just be uh, honest with them and what you want. Like, uh, if if eventually you want to own your own clinic, then yeah, bring your time and then go yeah do that kind of stuff. Actually, I feel like I'm running on the question. Yeah, just. That's a good answer, though. Yeah, so that's a really good answer. A fine practice that you think that you could mesh well with, mm -hmm. and then that you can kind of, if if you align with the the clinic owners yeah. and the clinic, the the view of the clinic, or if or find out if it's just if, if it's something that you want to do later on is own your own practice, and then you could just go in and just learn as much as you can from like maybe not the best practice that you want to be in. If it's just like a if you people are just pumping through, like sometimes it'll be like more like an MBA style clinic or like a WSIB clinic, yeah. where you just see like. It's, a, it's almost basic, it's like a just massive amount of people that come in. So, uh, and just see how they run, because you can, the, the business is run very well from that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and then just take really good notes from that, and then when you open up your own clinic, then take some of those, uh, the good things from there, and then just replace the bad things that you don't like from there. Nice. So, long story short, treat everything like practice. You're learning, you're learning from everything at every point in time. Nice. Um, even the people that, May not you, you may not feel that they have something to offer you from like a, a like a, a wisdom perspective or a knowledge yeah. perspective. They might you never know they might have some keys in there or they they might show you things of what you seeing them practice the way you don't want to practice just might open your eyes more to the way you do not want to practice and avoid mm -hmm. that pitfall for 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 you. So just be just have yeah kind of like an open mind treating everything like a practice and then uh, kind of going from there. And um, yeah, uh, I remember when I was in practice, there, there's a there's a there's a chance where I was like thinking about picking up a second job just to to supplement my my work, just because there's a certain ideal that I wanted to to, to hit, mm -hmm. and I wasn't there's a certain way I wanted to practice, and I wasn't doing that. So there's there's other things I was I was looking at um, to do potentially. Um, I didn't have to do it because I was I was fortunate enough that. The, pra the practice eventually picked up enough, nice. but there was a, there was a point in time where like I was contemplating 
in the summertime working working like with the landscape or doing rock stone and that kind of stuff just like just to pay for like maybe two three days two days a week and being in practice three days a week just to make ends meet because bills gotta get paid right so it's, 100 bills don't wait yeah they, they definitely lame but definitely and the other thing that I'd recommend to any student, mm -hmm. and especially if, if Carlos is, as much as you want to learn on how to become the best Cairo out there, so reading all like the chiropractic and rehab books and all that other stuff, yeah. they will dabble into other random books like finances, like the like the not the name drop, but like the wealthy barber, the the, the million uh, millionaire mindset, that kind of stuff, yeah. uh, the growth mindset, just like the that that self growth kind of stuff helps you just as much as the, the chiropractic stuff does. Because yeah. uh, I, I eventually we're, we're still like a business, right? So meshing those two things together, mm -hmm. and financial security is always important. That kind of stuff. Huge. And then just, yeah. just uh, random random books like I like Malcolm Gladwell books, uh, just because they're mm -hmm. they're just random books about random thoughts. And then when patients, because I'm in the clinic, I'm in the treatment room for like 20 minutes, I actually have, I can actually create a thought and put something together from different aspects of, of different things, things mm -hmm. that, I, that I've heard or read or whatever that kind of stuff so having a vast knowledge about chiropractic is very important but having being able to have like a conversation piece too with your, your patient if you choose to have like a 20 minute conversation like mm -hmm. a 20 minute treatment so at least you, you're not always just staring at each other without talking yeah so yeah, I can imagine it makes the service better yeah too, from there and too so yeah, yeah so just different things like that just uh, to be uh, the best chiropractor you can be, and then read all the books that you need, and then but also kind of venturing off into other other books and other things, other mm -hmm. knowledge to to just fill up like the the random knowledge kind of stuff too. Right, and I think that's a uh, that's a really cool piece of uh, advice because I think there's um, there's a lot of things that I found when I was leaving school and even in like second, third year and stuff is um, and especially now is um the financial aspect and educating yourself with that and just reading like uh what's cool i found too with uh, malcolm gladwell books is like the perspective he gets and i have to listen to like not listen because i don't like the idea of listening to audiobooks i'll listen to podcasts i'll okay. read a book i feel i retain it better that's just okay. me um but talking to strangers is one that i don't know if you've read yeah yeah, yeah. I've, it's I've... His, i think it's his newest one but i Okay. Need to. I, that's one that I'm like talking. To, that's when they're, they're opening up with the um, the the cop scene, right? Yes. Yeah, that was a sick one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you read it. Eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Um. Do you have a copy? I have a no. I'm the opposite. I'm. A, uh, I do the yeah. audio thing. I have. A, I have a copy of my uh, that's audio, fair. but right on. Okay. Never just because I have four kids, yeah. so I usually listen to it. To yeah. You know, your free times, your commute. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I get that. Makes sense. But uh, yeah, man, because that's one that I've uh, been recommended a few times that I haven't read yet. Okay. I'm like, ooh, that's a good one because I think, and I was talking to a friend of mine recently too. I'm like, the reason I travel and why you do those things is, it's all about perspective. Yep. Right. Like everybody comes in your life and they either dose you with that bit of like your they shift your mindset on something or they add a piece of information to you like to your uh, thought process and the way you think about and, uh, and approach problems that kind of make your problems and your issues solvable and that you're able to almost live better right it's it's a way of oh i have a problem right in front of me and somebody who's done the problem and figured out a solution and has countless countless reps in working on what you're trying to figure out and they show you how to do it that's they just gave you perspective on how to do it correctly. Yeah. Now you have to implement what you know 
which is they give you that piece of information, then you take that to a productive uh, form. Yeah. And then you uh, make your money and uh, make people happy with it. So. Yeah. And in the chances of the people that wrote those books, they're relatively experts in that, so why not listen to experts exactly. at that point in time? So they did okay. the research and stuff like that. And uh, it's nice to, to hear different perspective. And yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with what you said. It's changing okay. perspective or shifting perspectives or opening your eyes to maybe somebody else's different perspective. And then, uh, yeah, it just makes the, makes the world a better place. Amazing. Yep. So with that being said, Andre, as we uh, conclude, um, where can people get a hold of you, whether it be for your practice or on social media or what? Uh, where, uh, roll, I'm rolling up the red carpet for you, brother. So where uh, where can people uh, find you? I, w I wish I had a better social media presence, <laughs> but I just uh, live myself. Uh, we have a, a Facebook, uh, Instagram, which we, we me and Joe will uh, often, well, not as often as we used to, but we'll post like different exercises and that kind of stuff too. Mm -hmm. And then we're trying to up the uh, our YouTube our YouTube channel with mm -hmm. some stuff with Pat and different things. I have to put some nice. some exercise and that kind of stuff too. So it's more uh, exercise and rehab focused. And uh, yeah, if you just want to chat, just hop, uh, give us a call to the clinic, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely more than happy to, to help you out with uh, anything that you guys need. Right on, brother. Well, I really appreciate your time. Oh. I appreciate your wisdom, and uh, I'll let you get uh, back to your kids, brother. Okay. So thank you. Perfect. Right Thanks. on. Thanks.